the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Welcome and thanks for tuning into this brand new episode of Sake on Air, the podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts, and I am one of your regular group of rotating hosts here on this fine sake-infused program. And this week, we have a very special guest. Um, just on many weeks, we have lots of special guests, but this is uh, an individual, a gentleman that I have been hoping to cross paths with for such a long time. I am particularly... Uh, curious and passionate about the uh, idea of education as it relates to sake. And I could not think of a better person to welcome to the show to uh, speak um, and discuss with me a little bit about that. Um, and that person is uh, Michael Tremblay. Welcome to the show, Michael, first and foremost. Thanks, Justin. It's an honor to be on. No, we're thrilled to have you. And I, gosh, we could have had you on for probably two dozen uh, different themes or topics, each of which we could probably dig into for multiple hours. Um, like I said, I'm gonna, I wanna kind of pare it down to loosely uh, things related to education and the teaching and learning of things as they relate to sake. But just to give our listeners a little bit of background, Michael is the James Beard Foundation award-winning co-author of uh, the book, Exploring the World of Japanese Craft Sake, Rice Water Earth, which he put together with journalist Nancy, Nancy Matsumoto. Uh, he is a WSCT uh, certified wine and sake instructor. Um, he is a panel chair for the International Wine Challenge. He judges at a wide array of sake competitions. Um, he is one of a small handful of sake samurai. He is the founder and um, up until very recently, the, the sole educator of the uh, Sake Scholar course, uh, which we will pick his brain about um, for this show. Um, he's a beverage director up there in Toronto at Key Modern Japanese and Bar. Not to mention, he is also the North American desk for operations for the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. And I'm just really, really uh, thrilled that you were able to set aside a little time to chat today um, and share your knowledge and experience with us. Thanks, Justin. I mean, you mentioned uh, education and sake education in particular is a, um, you know, close to your heart and, and it's very close to my heart as well. Uh, I mean, I'm very passionate about sake, but... I love telling the stories of the brewers in Japan and what the heck is in each bottle to everyone that'll listen to me. Absolutely. 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 I said, and it's, you know, telling those stories and expressing that. Sure, it's a it's a form of education, but it's, you know, in in, in some in some respects, I, I don't even know if education is the right word. Yes, there is teaching and yes, there is learning, but there's you know, it doesn't necessarily always have to be super formalized. A lot of times these these experiences and just the way we can share are, are educational in their own right. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. Um, I, I kind of ran down a list of things that I happen to know that you are central to. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, I'd 
just taken just a few minutes and kind of tell our listeners just a little bit about uh, some of the projects and programs that you're involved in. I guess maybe we'll start just real briefly with the Sake Scholar course, because I have a feeling that's probably where a lot of folks um, know you from. Sure. Yeah, it's a good start, too. Uh, so Sake Scholar course actually was not something I planned to create. Um, when I finished my sake education, uh, I, I still felt like I didn't know anything about sake. I'd been to Japan, I'd made sake at, at, a, at a few breweries. I had taken all the courses that I could find on sake. I'd been to Japan a bunch. And I was like, what, what's next? And so I started kind of, I'm going to start in Hok at Hokkaido and I'm going to finish in Okinawa and I'm going to research the crap out of every prefecture and just try to get its DNA. You know, and at first I, you know, I come from a wine background. I have a lot of, I've, I've done a lot of wine education. I love maps, uh, et cetera. You, you, you do that a lot, especially with France and Italy and, you know, some of the key areas of the world for wine. And so I was doing that, but I was also at the time trying to fit that round peg into the square hole, so to speak. You know, I was trying to, too much to do the wine thing, the wine treatment. And each prefecture has its own unique personality. So I kept going, I kept going. Four years later, I had a lot of great information. And uh, one, of my, one of my duties, I'm the beverage director at Key, but I, I wear several hats at, uh, in our company. One of them was uh, doing a lot of marketing. And uh, I, I learned a lot of the design software because I was responsible for developing ads for magazines and things like that, you know, to advertise our restaurants. And uh, I started I'm like, well, I know how to use this design software and I love what I'm doing, I, all this research I've done, but now I need to visualize it. And so I started creating relief maps of each prefecture. I, 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 would, I would sit for hours on Google Earth, just fascinated by mountains, the volcanoes. I would trace rivers, um, you know, that I'd heard a brewery using, um, you know, in their sake. It was really, really get da getting down to it, but it was a bit too much, but it was really to understand uh, Japan uh, in like its geographical, um, in, in a ge geographical sense. And on top of it, I was also learning, I was trying to understand and stitch together this history. I didn't go to university in, in, and, and do a major in the history of Japan. So, you know, as a Canadian trying to understand it, it's very fascinating, but tr you know, you hear this snippet of the history and you don't understand, you understand some of it and you don't understand it because it's a really complex tapestry um, that is Japan. Sure. And sort of the con the context within it, why, why those things came about. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you can see it with individual breweries all over Japan, you know, referencing certain parts of history and you're like, oh, okay, I don't know what's going on. So, um, and then, you know, I started visualizing it and I was like this, I, I just, I started, I had a day where I was reflecting about uh, all the sake courses that I've taken and that are out there. And a lot of them, talk about the grades, the styles, you know, that's kind of like ground zero, that and the ingredients and then how you make sake and, you know, and whatnot. And I was like, okay, well, one thing I would love to learn is where the heck this prefecture is and what's going on there, why they're making sake there and, 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 and the key breweries, uh, like, where do I start? So if I want to learn about Ibaraki, 
which brie in Ibaraki should I start with? You know, and so I, 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 I was doing a lot of this on my own, just doing a lot of the research, trying to find sake and, and try it and drink it, uh, talking to sake experts. And, you know, I kept going. And then I first taught the course in June of 2019 um, in Toronto, it was, it's my safe, uh, the safe zone. I was like, okay, I'll fill a classroom with people here that will be friendly and not eat me alive with, with this course. Sure. And actually I'm going to backtrack just a tiny bit. Um, what is the socket scholar course? Just real, real simple. Like what, yeah. what is it based on? Yeah. What is folks, what is it, what is it sort of, what are sort of the, the guiding principles of it and and exactly what what's it all about? Yeah, so the the sake scholar course is is geared to individuals that already know the basics of sake and are looking to learn about the individual regions. Uh, and so, the course starts with a foundation section uh, section, just going through some of the main things we're going to talk about throughout the course. And then we start in Hokkaido and literally travel all the way down to Okinawa over three days of uh, just really, really intensive uh, uh, sessions. And, and we taste a lot of sake as well. So the whole idea is that, um, you know, we, we can't cover everything in that time, but you really get a good idea of the lay of the land uh, and, and what's going on in Japan. It's it's a lot of information and it's it's terrifying to teach um, because it it's a moving target these days. It, it's constantly evolving, so you're trying to capture that in in the course. I, I can't honestly, I can't I can't even imagine what that would have been like to have hosted. I mean, just the experience of hosting the first class and honestly presenting the first course of that nature on sake, really ever. I mean, I imagine that there are some things that have courses and things that have taken place in Japan that reference these things, but something designed to encompass the entire nation. Obviously, you know, in Japan, there's lots of really hyper-specific things, you know, related to certain regions and things like that. And so there's access to different snippets of information, but to try and pull all that together and and present that, that would have been, that's, it, it's incredible. It's they, I remember when you first started that and just looking from afar and being like, that is that is ambitious. <laughs> that is ambitious. And, and it was more like I love visualizing things. So my my um, my degrees at university or as a musician, I'm I'm just naturally creative, I guess. And I I'm not an artist by any means, but I love I love making things that are colorful and you know distill a heck of a lot of information so that on a page you can see a lot there more than you could see you can do with words. And, you know, when I was learning about sake, it was a lot of it was paragraphs of, of information. And I found it very difficult to learn. And I was like, well, if I'm if I'm going to teach something, I need I need to have some visual aids that are going to make people connected. I also before I even started this course, I, I used to administer um, a program for the Ontario Arts Council. Um, and it was for alternative kids that were having trouble engaging in school. Um, and the program just addressed that you got visual learners and you got this kind of learner and you got this. And so I really wanted to make sure that the course, if anything, really, really addressed the visual side. And that, you know, if, and especially when you're learning, you know, when you're learning about sake for the first time, you're learning a new language. Even if even in level a level one course, 
you're going to learn a lot of Japanese words and those can be hard to, to, to grasp. And so I wanted something that was just really easy to, you know, to, to understand. The second course was in Brooklyn in 2019 in, in, um, in October, that was at Brooklyn Kura and man, I got, I got sick, um, from doing that class. I was so stressed because, um, uh, I had Timothy Sullivan, John Gardner, yeah. Chris Johnson. Um, sure. I had a few other people from all over um, the U.S. and and abroad that were that flew in for it, and they're here. And I'm like, oh my god! Like I, I felt like such a hack, and uh, it was it was it was terrifying. Like I I would get up at six in the morning to prep, you know, until I had to be that class, and then I'd go right back to keep keep studying and and learning this material because it wasn't fluid. And it didn't get fluent until the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic was mostly horrible, like 99.99999% horrible. But one of the good things is I was able to teach this course several times online. And that's what really helped make the course uh, better <laughs> is me, sure, you know, repeating it. Going through the motion of ha actually having to communicate it. Right. compiling the information is much different than communicating the information well and that's yeah, it like yeah. i mean if you do the math there's 47 prefectures in japan and we're you know there's basically 18 hours of class time and one hour of each morning and afternoon session is earmarked for tasting so so you've got two hours to do each region so you've got to really pick what you're going to talk about and make sure that you don't uh, uh, open up too many, uh, you know, rabbit holes that, you know, where people are like, oh, I don't, I have a question, I have a question, and you you can't get to it, you know, so it, it was, it was challenging, but it, it was fun. And, and that's why, I mean, you, you, you uh, hinted that I'm, uh, I'm starting to bring in new instructors. And that's because I find the course really rewarding to teach. It's the most difficult thing I've ever taught. But I don't want to just be the only one teaching it and having the joy uh, of, of teaching it. It's just such a fun course to teach once you've mastered it. So, yeah. Yeah. Was, was that something I was curious when I saw it, it seems it was a relatively recent announcement that you've had a couple of um, folks and you can feel free to introduce them. They've both been on the show and I'm big fans of, of both the folks that are joining you on this journey. That's a, that's absolutely fantastic. I was really excited to see that y'all are doing that. Um, but was the idea of turning the sake scholar course into something that isn't just yours, but that is, but that can be shared among a growing cohort of educators? Was that something that you sort of had in mind from the get go, or is that something that came out of sort of a natural evolution of, of of doing the course? Yeah, it came out of the natural evolution of the fact that it's very very it's a lot of time to for me to to go hey i want to go and teach this course in hong kong or hey i want to go here and teach this i'm not the sake expert in that market um and neither do i want to be because i think each i mean in, in toronto yes i i want to be part of this community and and whatnot but i think in each city that has a, a vibrant sake scene you need the champions there um and I, uh, I can't, I don't want to be uh, the champion for everything. And yeah, Saki Scholar, I don't want it to be, uh, obviously I'm the founder of it, but I don't want it to be, you need to, you need to have me as a teacher. 
uh, you know, to have this. And so I don't think the course is going to be uh, all over the world in you know, 50 countries or anything. Uh, I'm, I'm just picking a few uh, instructors that I think really are knowledgeable. They've been in Japan. They, they, uh, they've been in the industry and they've been, they've been doing education in their own right in, in, in their markets, uh, to, to teach it just to get, to continue the sake scholar story. Um, because as much as it's easy for me to teach sake scholar online in my pajamas, and I love it because I, Actually, Justin, I have pajama tops on right now, totally but you, and you can't even see it, right? Um, <laughs> um, I'm not too far it, off <laughs> myself. <laughs> exactly, um, it's it. You lose something. Um, I I I really do miss the connection you make with the students, and I really miss watching that connection between students being the excuse to bring twenty some people together and they're leaving together for lunch or they're leaving together to go and have some sake at the end of the course. And that's so exciting because it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's connecting people from all over, you know, to continue their love of sake. And the course is just kind of the vehicle to do it with, you know, sure, in, in a way, sure. you know, no, it's, it's neat. You bring that up. Cause I actually, for me personally, I find that obviously whether it's sake or something else, but I find it particularly true in sake, but all of the sake certifications and courses that I have taken part in, yes, I'm taking part because I want to gain the information and knowledge from the instructor or collection of instructors that's presenting it. Um, I feel it would be useful, beneficial, interesting. So there is that component to it, but I nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10, the best part and the best learning comes from the cohort that you go through it with. Just ha being in a room with a group of other individuals that are coming from different places, from a different kind of experience and engaging in that activity together. I feel that has not only does that make the act of learning better, but then that cohort more often than not, then becomes someone I can learn with and learn from long term as well. So for me, that 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 face to face component, kind of going through that together, is just that's been sort of my. That's what really drives me to really want to take a cor course. Yeah, that I yeah, get really exactly. excited about. Yeah. It's your study group, but it's also you know if you do if you if you need a buddy to go to Japan with chances are someone from your group is is going and one uh, way I I'm I really in the future want to bring all the alumni because there's there's a few hundred people that have taken the course and uh you know and some of them have I've already taken the initiative to create you know Facebook groups or yeah. you know connect you know however um but there's a lot that are not connected you know like that the, that early Toronto cohort for instance is probably the one that's kind of left on an island so <laughs> um you know bringing them together and you know it's always been a dream of mine to start alumni trips to Japan as well and and my students that are listening to this are probably rolling their eyes because like yeah Michael's been saying that for several years now <laughs> and it, it, it's just it's it's logistically it's it's very challenging the to challenge. do but you know I, I want to go and okay let's do the Nakasendo 
um, and check out breweries on the Nakasendo all the way from, you know, Kyoto and, and, you know, go into the mountains and then finish in Tokyo. That would be really cool. Yeah, um, and educational, incredible. but you bring together, you know, this group of people that, you know, again, are going to connect and have this amazing, all these amazing memories after. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. You're going to have to come back and we're going to have to talk about Sake Scholar course once I've taken it and we can <laughs> dig into it and we can really dig into it. I think that that would be fantastic. Um, so that is that is my promise to you that I will indeed manage to make it someplace where it's being held somewhere in the, in the relatively near future. For sure, yeah. But I would love to to dig into that. One of the uh, one of the funnest things about uh, the finish of the course is having all these students that are armed with all this knowledge. Because I think a lot of people think sake scholar is about terroir, uh, and it's not at all. Um, I define terroir because it's used a lot by brewers. It's used a lot by other sake experts, and so I give them the definition from the French, um, you know, and, and we start there and go, this is how it's used in wine. This is how brewers are using it, love it or hate it. But, and, you know, you can have an opinion on it. And basically I'm, I'm trying to arm everyone with the knowledge without the opinion, my opinion for them. So we can have a debate because it, the, one of the funnest things to do with sake is debate some of these ideas and debate geographical indications and whether or not they're a joke or not, you know, they, there's, there's, a, there's pros and cons to all kinds of these, you know, concepts and yeah, anyway. Sure. And, all, and honestly, no, but I mean, I, I think a lot of the stuff isn't really set in stone. It's defined to a certain degree, but the, I don't know, the standards are that are more has been more or less standardized or just sort of taken as common knowledge weren't necessarily. It wasn't necessarily the case maybe thirty years ago or fifty years ago, and it's and it may continue to evolve and it likely will and continue to change. So to be able to kind of, to work through that, I feel like that working through that process, that's an important process in and of itself. It is. Yeah. I mean, even just looking at geographical indications, I mean, every, every printing of the textbook, uh, I'm asked, I, I, I'm, a, I, I have people from all over the world contact me for the textbook. And I'm like, I, I don't print enough. I print, 50 at a time, it means it's more expensive for me, but I can't stand it being out of date. Oh, and, <laughs> and Iwate and Shizuoka, you know, are kind of the newest geographical indications. And I was able to squeeze them in. And after Hong Kong and Singapore, if there's a new GI, I have there probably will be (laughs) probably it's growing so much. And it's interesting to have it in there. We also in the course, we analyze all these geographical indications we talk about it and go you know some of them the rules are really really like pretty non-existent they're pretty yeah whereas some are more specific pretty loose yeah so anyway yeah i, I i'm gonna stop myself there we're gonna no worries become no, a it's GI. All good. no it's all good but i yeah. i did want to actually one thing you mentioned a little earlier when you were talking that i did kind of want to revisit when you're talking about when you first started working on the sake scholar course you know started at hokkaido and started working your way down um, and you said you kind of mentioned that you got started and really tried at first to give it the wine treatment. Um, and sort of the nuance from that that I gathered was that you tried to apply something um, that maybe you felt at the beginning was an appropriate approach to figuring this out. Um, but then you sort of changed your mind 
along the way in the process. I was wondering if if I'm if I'm under one if I'm understanding that correctly, and then two, I'd be curious as to know sort of what that wine treatment was that you were sort of bringing to it, um, and what changed. Yeah, no, it's a really good point, um, and it, and that's why there's a foundation section, uh, you know, morning before we get into it because of uh, some of the things I built. So yeah, you know, with wine, uh, I mean, you're you're looking at how grapes are grown and grapes are grown pretty much the same way all over the world. Um, and so you can look at Chile and you can look at France, a uh, region in France and with the same kind of metrics, i.e., you know, the soils and uh, whatnot. But the problem was that I quickly found in, in Japan is that Niigata, for instance, it has a, a, a a, a regional uh, personality, Tanrei Katakuchi, Kirei, uh, you know, uh, Goyakumengoku, you know, all, all these, all these buzzwords that are part of it. Um, and, but then, and, and Goyakumengoku is very, you know, important there and Koshi Tanrei and et cetera. But if you go to Tokyo and, and you know, I fast forwarded a bit and I was like, well, when I get to Tokyo, what the heck am I going to talk about? Yeah. Um, and when I get to, uh, what, what about, uh, a region like Shizuoka, which it's not about rice, but their yeast program is really part of that DNA. Um, uh, so, so I created a model that was flexible. Um, it's a six point model. I, I called it the elements of sake regionality. And it basically, we talk about the environment, uh, rice, water, uh, microbes, culture, and the human element going on in each prefecture. And, and because it, for me, it was like, well, it's okay if this prefecture has nothing to do with sake yeast and they just use everything from the Jozo Kyokai. Um, and in this region, they, they have a, a exuberant one. And then this region doesn't have a sake rice. That, that's not a big deal. But with this, we were able to kind of go through and just okay, what's the environment here? What's this? And if you actually look at the geographical indications, the like on the NTA site, it actually almost follows, it's almost the same. And I didn't know that at the mm. time. Um, like mm. they have their own human element. They talk about yeah. the history. Um, and so so this model not only works for a prefecture or a sub-region within a prefecture like Nada, but it also works for a brewery. So we do case studies as well, where we would take, uh, you know, whatever sake from let's say Niigata, and we would give it the treatment. We'd use the six points and go through, okay, well, what's, is there anything unique about this environment other than, you know, the typical Niigata thing, you know, and what's going on with their water? Is it hard? Is it soft? Where's it coming from? You know, and we would we, we just kind of go through that. And, and then you have a, a, a good sense of what the sake is without getting too geeky and, and without, without a spewing, the idea of terroir or or whatever it's not or i don't want to make fiction it's just no these are points and then you can create then now you have a story about what's going on in the bottle or a story of what's Niga, what 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 nigat does all about you know so that was the whole idea beautiful well i we're, we'll dig into that more on another occasion there's still a lot i want to talk to you about on that um but that, uh, moving on a little bit, sort of looking at different sort of components or elements of ed education that you're involved in, your WSET certified instructor in sake has said you're teaching level one, two, and three. First, I didn't realize there was a level two. Is that true? Is there a level two in sake? 
There is. I'll be teaching it the first week of April, and and it actually it, it's it's available to teach starting April second. Okay, uh, I heard rumors that it was WSCT. Yeah, great. That's fantastic. I heard rumors that it was that it was on the way, and I thought I was like, what? Does that really happen? Fantastic. Excellent. You have to you have to tell me how that how that how that how that goes. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it um, because I think uh, I think some people do level one and are a little daunt they're a little afraid of level three and and so they should be. It's it's a it's a more, it's a much more difficult course. It's more intensive. It's very rewarding. I think everyone that takes it loves it, but a level two bridges that gap. Um, and uh, I think. Uh, I think it's, uh, I, yeah, it, it's great that they finally uh, have that in, in, you know, in, in the suite of WSET courses. Cool. No, that's great. Um, I'm curious. So what is, so something like WSET, obviously that curriculum is, it's obviously changing and evolving over time as more information becomes available and whatnot, but it's, it's very formalized and it's been ongoing for a while. It's been more or less codified as to sort of the, the teaching and learning goals and things like that. How does teaching something like WSAT or I'm not sure if you teach, say, like Kikizake certifications or things like that as well, well, but how do programs like those differ from, say, Sake Scholar Course? What is sort of the experience uh, the experiential difference for you as well as kind of for the learners? Yeah, I mean, I think, the, the, I guess it depends on the WSET course, but um, the WSET courses are dealing with static information, like information that's fairly stable. It's like a, it's a bedrock, whereas Sake Scholar is a moving, a moving target. Like it's, I, I'm following the iceberg of, of, of sake and as it changes i'm trying to capture it in real time and add it to the course which is in some ways frustratingly difficult um, and uh and whatnot i remember john gautner telling me um when i was developing the course michael do you really understand how much work is going to be to keep keep mm -hmm. up to date michael yeah. do you, you yeah. know like yeah, 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 yeah. i said it a few times i was like john i know uh but i didn't know i had no idea <laughs> So uh, every time, you know, I have to edit the textbook, I'm like, thanks, John, you know, under my breath. It's more of a, a joke. It's fun. I actually love updating it because it keeps me right at the front of it. But yeah, anyway, you're at the uh, the cusp of, yeah, everything that's happening. But but uh, the Wine Spirit Education Trust Level 3 Sake, uh, Level 3 Award in Sake, which is the first course that was developed, um, I think they did an excellent job of distilly, distilling how sake is made when every brewery in Japan has their own permutation on it. Sure. <laughs> um, they, did a, they did a great job of, this is how sake is made. And, and um, in, in some ways they're following a bit of the formula of their wine courses. Um, not, I mean, it's very, very um, Japanese and, and sake centric and what they've done, um, but it's still, they've still broken it, bro um, they've broken it down into the components of, Sake is and in digestible chunks, um, and what I love about it is they connect it because you, you you're you're teaching you're teaching uh, the students how to taste sake, and some of them don't have formal wine tasting uh, experience or anything. It's it can be very difficult, um, and, but by the end of the course, you could be you can reverse engineer that bottle of sake, um, you know, thinking about all the components you talked about of how sake is made. 
um, you know, the, those little trademarks of Yamaha that you might find in, 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 in a glass or whatnot, and you become that much better for it. So, um, but yeah, the, you know, the, they recently updated their textbook. I think their first version was 2017. I remember the copyright of 2017. And last year, I think, I think it was last year, they updated the material for the first time. So for instance, they changed the rice. Um, so in level three, you have the top five rice strains. Well, that changed um, yeah. in it, since, you know, their update. So the top five were a little different. Um, so it was a few interesting, you know, changes here and there. It still looked like the same material. Um, just, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it's great. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> no, not at all. No, 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 that's great. That's great. I guess so. You mentioned that the Sake Scholar course is designed for someone who's kind of run the gamut of of instructional or educational courses surrounding sake. It was sort of, in some respects, kind of a next level deal. You know, you've got you've got the basics. You have a solid understanding of of things, and you want to ex kind of dig deep um in into those um, more regional components and things um when you're teaching whether it's wsct or one of the other certifications or things that are out there you know there's there's different levels um there's like I said, there's different groups that are coming you know even if people are coming for the same level they're still coming from different experiences and there are people are in different places um i guess how does the experience differ for you, say teaching an entry level program versus a more advanced program, do you change anything about your teaching style or the way you try and communicate things? Um, is it? Do you? What what what's sort of in your mind when you're when you're sort of attacking those two different scenarios? Yeah, I mean, there is a different approach to to the courses. I mean, uh, the unifying factor is storytelling. Um, you know, WSET, for instance, has all the building blocks of what sake is and whatnot, but you need to bring them to life. And that's really at the mercy of the, uh, the instructor. Um, I want everyone of, doesn't matter if it's level one or level three, I want them to, to, by the end of the course, they are in love with sake. So, but for level one, the, the material, uh, you know, you're teaching the basics and you can't teach them level three, uh, you know, you're just going way over their head, but I think it's important to show them glimpse glimpses beyond the tip of the iceberg of sure. this is how much, this is where you can go uh, if you want, if you choose to. Um, but let's get back to the material. Um, and you can do that a variety of ways, like with a great sake. Um, I love telling stories of my experiences in Japan because a lot of uh, my students have never been. And so they're fascinated by it. And so, one of the reasons they're probably taking the course is because they like Japanese culture or something. Uh, and so you're, you're, you're trying to, I don't know, like, it doesn't matter if you're teaching how sake is made. You want them, I want them to feel like they're in a sake brewery. I want them to feel that they're, they can visualize everything. And so, you know, encourage watching videos. I recommend a bunch of videos. Um, and, and I pick, I pick, uh, sakes that, um, really show off the style of whatever WSET wants me to be teaching them here, but also has a great story um, because um, uh, like over the years, almost every, when students come up to me, you know, 
after the course is done or down the road, they always come up and go, I remember when you told me this story about this and, and that, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, so they're, they're remembering that. So I'm trying to connect the, the stories are meant to make them connect something. I mean, there, there's a purpose to them. It's like, you need to learn this. So I'm going to teach, I'm going to tell you a story that connects with that so that you can try to remember it, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so a sake scholar, it's the same thing. Um, you know, we've got case studies. I try to pick sakes I've been, uh, where I've been to the brewery. I've been very lucky to visit many sake breweries. So usually a bunch of the, uh, the sakes in the course are that. And some of them are actually sakes I've never tried because I think it's important for me to have my eyes wide open. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited to try this. Something like a little kid in a store um, because they see that. And it's, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to be in your excitement to be infectious. And, 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 and then if someone in the class knows something about that sake, like they've been there and have never been there, get up and talk about it, you know, like tell us why, what, what you think about it, you know? And so it's not just, not just about, you know, the instructor, it's about if any students want to share things, share it. You know, it's, I think that's a great thing too. Being a new learner to sake or maybe, maybe anything possibly, but being a new learner who doesn't have a lot of preconceptions or a lot of previous knowledge. Are there, are there advantages to being new and not knowing anything when going into sake? Is there, so, is there something that is helpful or unique to that experience of being new that, you, that, 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 that those learners bring to the, to the classroom? Uh, that's a good question. I'm, 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 I'm thinking of some of my experiences, uh, at, at key, um, you know, just to back, backtrack a, a sure. second before going back into the classroom at WSP, sure. but you know, one of my, one of my hats at key is, is, uh, with every, every new staff member that starts at, at the restaurant has a, a two hour sake basic session with me, um, sometimes it's one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes it's, there's three new hires and, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so I've taught hundreds of people the rudiments of sake and, um, usually a week, you know, usually training at the restaurants about two weeks long because they've got to learn about the food. We won't let anyone just serve a guest and not know what the Japanese kitchen, all these terms in the Japanese kitchen, because they're going to be asked and, um, but we assess them. And so, you know, it, you know, in the early parts when I was doing the sake basics for, for our staff, um, I would assess them and, and I'd be like, no, that's not it. Like, I, I thought it was really clear about that. How come you don't get this? But I, I'm truly under, trying to understand what can I do better to communicate this concept? Maybe I went too far, too deep, you know, whatever. And, 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 so I, I would always, you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity for me at Keat, uh, and it still is today to have a laboratory uh, with yeah. my staff where yeah. I can, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna change, uh, you know, for instance, one of the uh, innovations I did was I created a couple of infographics um, on the sake basics and just to give them a visual aid, they could take it with them and it would it would, it would solidify a lot of the information. Um, they can connect to it. And then I, and then also I thought it, it was really important to ask questions. So, okay. So let's recap. What is Ginjo? Uh, you tell me. And because I think 
too many times instructors, myself included, talk too much and we don't ask, <laughs> we don't ask enough of our students sure. and engage, it, engage the learners, right? <laughs> engage, the, engage the learners, but also see whether or not what you're saying, they actually understand exactly. because it's really yeah. easy to, to say, to, you know, to go on for 30 minutes and go, it's clear, but I've mm. know this material like the back of my hand. So of course it's, I think it's clear, but it, is it clear to someone that is just hearing it for the first time? That's, that's, that's the trick. And sometimes you don't have the time to do that. You know, you're like, oh, I'm running late. You know, I don't have a, you know, I've, I've got, a, you know, so there's, there's ways like I, I created a jeopardy game for my WSET classes so right. that I, I build in the time where, okay, you guys are team Ginjo and team Dai Ginjo. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, you know, kanji for 100 and, you know, they, they have fun, they compete with each other, but it's, just bringing the the learning, you know, in a, in a fun way. And, and, uh, and I try to have a few mean questions in there and I, and I make fun of myself for being mean and that kind of thing. But, you know, the, that's the whole thing. And, and the other learning thing is that key as well. I mean, we're, the restaurant's about 300 seats and we sell a lot of sake and I get to tell a lot of stories. I get, I've told the story of Kimoto to uh, you know, a couple on a Friday night having a date, and yeah. they're probably like, "Oh my God, George, what's he talking about? He's talking about lactic acid bacteria and all that." And I've I've done everything. I've, yeah. I've like yeah, I've yeah, gone yeah, way yeah. too deep, you know, in yeah. in my fifteen years there, and you learn from it. And really, what gravitates the most is the stories. So, yeah. you know, take a single concept in sake, a very simple one, talk about that and then connect it to a story and leave it, leave it, leave it be and let them in, let the sake speak for itself, you know? And I think sometimes we talk too much and just let it try this. You know, I'm not going to say anything. I want you yeah. to tell me what you think. Enjoy it. Experience it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Very so. cool. I imagine a lot of our listeners probably haven't had the opportunity to make it up there. What, what is key like? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I think, He's Japanese and not Japanese at the same time because we're we're in Toronto, we're in the financial district. So we a lot of our customers are, you know, CEOs or lawyers or consultants or whatnot, and they're entertaining clients or whatever. And a lot of them have been to Japan, so they do like sake. Um, and um, but the the beauty about having a three hundred seat restaurant is you can have a larger sake program. Um, you know, so we have about 80 sake. We could have more, but I, I find 80 is the right amount where things are moving without, you know, sticking in, pur uh, you know, staying in purgatory and getting old. And then I, then I'm just not happy selling it anymore. Um, um, and it, we have about 50 staff members. So that's why I do a lot of sake basics training. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then they, we, we, we put on a couple of, seminars a month on you know usually one sake seminar and one wine related seminar because we have a, a big wine list as well and and we talk about that so yeah we have sushi we have uh we have modern cold plates so kind of allow our sushi chefs to play around a little bit and uh create you know try new ingredients with the fish and coax out new flavors um and then we have a hot kitchen so we have we've got everything in there that you know everything from soy sake marinated short ribs to uh you know black cod you know the usual suspects you'd find in the japanese restaurant um and i would say our our, our sake program is the largest in canada just not because quantity of sakes but because we 
are constantly investing in our staff and certifying them, like sending them to level three sake or sending them to the sake scholar course or sending them to John Gautner's courses. Um, we want, we want people to buy into what we're doing there. And in a 300 seat restaurant, I can't be the only one selling sake. Um, yeah. I, I would love to, but you know, if there's six bottles going out at once, I've got to pick and choose. And, yeah. uh, and so I need, but I want everyone to have a good experience, a sake experience. I want them to have a nugget or two to say about that sake, you know, yeah. with guests. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How does that experience in there, does that experience in the restaurant then feed back into your, your other courses, your more formalized educational courses? It does. I mean, uh, I, I would say I started out as an educator from key. Um, I, uh, and then, uh, I was just in, in some ways the right place at the right time there, uh, to do it. And then my next step was actually, uh, there was a, there's an organization, the Sake Institute of Ontario, which runs, uh, the largest sake festival in Canada. It's called Kampai Toronto. And the first year they did it, uh, was about maybe eight years ago, I'm losing track of time, but they asked me to do the seminar. Um, we, at the time we had a large sake program. Uh, they knew I was doing a lot of education with our staff. So they're like, would you be able to do this presentation? And I'm like, sure. So they're like, okay, how many people do you think are going to come? And I'm like, I'm like, to see me talk about sake. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be happy if 10 people are there. You know, I, I honestly didn't know idea. It was the first year we were doing this. We yeah. didn't know what the climate of what the sake market entailed. So if you fast forward to Kampai, we ended up with 130 chairs and we, and, and it would have been a lot more than that, but we just couldn't fit any physically any more people in the space wow. we had. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, people are hungry to, to learn about sake, um, yeah. or I should say thirsty, um, <laughs> uh, to learn about sake. Um, and the rest is history. So from there, um, the independent wine education guild, which is our, the, the, uh, the APP or the approved program provider in Toronto that I, I work for, um, you know, wanted to, to branch into the sake and WSET had just started their level three sake. So they sent me, they sponsored me and they sent me to Japan to train um, with uh, Natsuki and uh, and the team. And um, and yeah, the rest is history. I came back and we started teaching the, the, the sake course. Sorry, I should say Anthony Moss. I was there <laughs> as well. And um, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was for me, you know, talking about, you know, a cohort of students that kind of really bond together. Yeah. It was a small group. There's seven of us and we were kind of doing this amazing trip through Japan. Um, and then we had to, we had to teach a segment of the course that we had never taken. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then we were assessed on it and you had 10 minutes to do it. And, you know, then it was a stop and it was, it was a, it was a good experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. You're involved in all of these different facets of education. Um, some more formalized, some slightly looser, some more practical, you know, say if you're, you know, on, on the ground in the restaurant or at the bar or whatnot. Um, but then you decided to write a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm curious, how, how, how did the experience of writing the book 
then I guess change or influence how you thought about sort of communicating information about socket? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a, that's a great question. I mean, first off, I have a million lucky hats because, sure. you know, I was in the right place at key. Um, yeah. I was, you know, I was I was able to I, I'm doing more in, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are passionate about sake that wanted to do something in sake. And I feel like I'm hogging <laughs> all, all the, all these great things. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm really fortunate to do it. And, and one of the yeah. things that I'm very lucky, uh, is I'm, I met Nancy. Um, okay. she was actually, uh, we had an alumni, um, uh, uh, kind of soiree at key with, uh, John Gautner's had taught his class in Toronto and we had all the, his alumni were, were gathering and I met Nancy and she had just moved to Toronto from New York. And uh, anyway, we can talk about that story about the book later, but I think the research trips were really formative. I think the biggest thing that I got out of it was that sake is, is really changing. Mm. Um, you know, there's, it's changing and not changing. And I mm. felt like I was under the pulse, uh, uh, it, particularly with the Sake Scholar course as well. I could see those changes. They're, they're really small. And I think most consumers wouldn't see them um, mm. per se, but I could, you, you could see them like for, for some of the breweries we went to. And one of the great things uh, that was really uh, informative uh, for both Nancy and I was that it wasn't just visiting sake breweries when we were going through Japan and, mm -hmm. and researching. It was, we were visiting scientists, we were visiting farmers, we were visiting, you know, people that run sake bars and, and, and talking to all these invisible, not invisible people, but, you know, people that are usually not in the limelight, you know, usually the bottle of sake is the limelight and omachi is maybe the star attraction, but we don't talk about the farmer that created that omachi or that cultivated yeah. it. So that was really cool because I think in a lot of my previous trips, a lot of the attention was always in the brewery. Hmm. What's going on? Why are you doing this? How are you making that? And, you know, not really talking about the, um, you know, all these amazing people. So that was, that was a big thing. I think now when we started putting together the bones of the book, um, one of the things we wanted to include because we were, we were going to go on these adventures and talk about a scientist of sake yeast. I mean, yeah. you want, you want to make sure that someone that doesn't know much about sake isn't going to be like, oh, I'm not reading that chapter. Um, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. so we, we created, um, you know, a sake basic section at the beginning with a lot of colorful infographics again, to make it really fun to learn about sake and it, it for it to be very easy that it, you could flip through the pages of that section in five minutes and probably grasp a few concepts about sake that, you know, might take a bit more time if you were explaining it or reading about it. In the process of doing the book, to what degree did you kind of have an idea as to the kinds of information that you felt like needed to be in there? Things that were, say, tied to the theme, the, the theme of the book or goals you had laid out to the book versus were there things that along the way that you discovered that you're like, oh, my goodness, these are sort of glaring omissions from the the general dialogue of of sake were there thing or were there things 
you know, from from the get go that you kind of had set out, you're like, just from your own experiences, you said, this is these are the types of things that need to be included in this book, because they're not they're not in the standardized um, coursework. They're not taught in restaurants. They're not nobody's doing a video series on, on them, but is so important or so critical to communicating, like you said, that that story. Were there any things that you really kind of had set out that you kind of had in your mind that you really felt you had to really dig into? No, I think our I think the big the the biggest problem was actually what not to include Just because we, we have, <laughs> yeah, and and Nancy makes fun of me a lot, or not makes fun of me, but like teases me because Loving, lovingly, I'm <laughs> lovingly, yes, I'm 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 a big sake geek, and man, I like the information we got at at sake breweries. You know, you could write a, a book about each brewery, um, but it would not have resonated with the average reader, you know, and you know, we had to seek a balance of, uh, you know, not going too much overboard and, and also trying to connect some of the themes with the history of Japan or the culture. Um, and it was also a bit of a travelogue. So weaving all that together, I think in some ways it was fairly obvious what we could cut <laughs> Yeah. In in terms of yeah. some of that ultra geeky super, you know, stuff that, you know, Michael Trombley loves and uh, you know, it, you know, two other people are gonna are gonna love it if we put it in the book. Um, and really telling that story. And and Nancy as a journalist is really good as well at 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 bringing out the human side of um of of it so that you know, we, I don't know, we struck a right, the right balance uh, throughout the book with the right, the kind of that, the levels of sake geekiness to put in and, and cultural aspects and, you know, easy digestible uh, segments. Like we have little boxes everywhere with some fun facts or our sake flights. So, you know, there's, there's, there's ways of doing a bit of a deeper dive uh, by, you know, finding the sakes that we're suggesting from a, from a, from the flight of each chapter and, and then connecting it. You can use the sake basics at this beginning to kind of under remember what Ginjo means, but then you can go and read our section on the Ginjo boom and the whole idea of, you know, polishing uh, rice and why they're doing that if you want. So there was, there was the, the book is written in a way that I think it's, it's a fairly easy read for a book that could have been incredibly dense and sure. a very hard read, even for someone that loves sake. So, very good, very good. Uh, one thing I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit because this is one thing I was actually really curious to ask you about. Um, my understanding is, like you said, you're sort of the go-to guy, sort of frontline uh, help desk for the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association, um, which you've been doing. You said since what around 2019 or so. Yeah, I mean the years are blending, uh, but I, right. I, I believe I started in 2019, and yeah. uh, you know it, it's been a it's a position that's renewed every year, and it, it's a huge honor to to work yeah. with uh, with with JSS. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, I was speaking with some of the folks there, and they were pretty much, and your name kept coming up, like, oh, we're going to be with Michael, or Michael's going to be teaching this course, or Michael's going to be teaching that course, or we're going here, we're going to, we're going to Mexico, we're going here, we're going there, and 
but the program that you were teaching was something that was done together with JSS. It's not it this it's not the you know WSET program. It's not the necessarily the professional certification program. It's not the you know, some pre-specified Somalia-specific program per se. I, I don't know a lot about the program, but my understanding is this is something wholly unique that you then took to different regions across the Americas and presented and shared over uh, a period of time. And I thought that that was fantastic and fascinating. And I was very curious to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, it, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've been to, I, I had been to South America once, and that was to Brazil, and it was a really short visit. Um, and it was be, it was before my sake uh, time, so it was more, uh, you know, wasn't there for that. So um, it was really exciting to go there uh, with the, the mission of, you know you know, talking sake with people. And so, um, but before we did in the summer, in uh, I believe it was late July or early August. Um, uh, actually, I think late July. The uh, JSS uh, asked me to uh, do a, a webinar for sommeliers in Argentina. So that was my first foray into connecting with South America, and and we did a two and a half hour webinar, and we had a great turnout. Lots of amazing questions, um, lots of very informative questions. And it's always a challenge. I, I don't know the sake market in Argentina. So, you know, how do you put together this, this two and a half hour, uh, you know, presentation? So it's kind of like what we talked about earlier, where, you know, you, you talk about the foundational things about sake to make sure people understand. And then for a minute, open a door into bit of a more advanced topic um, to show them what's out there and then close that door and then move on into another another aspect that's foundational so that you're not losing anyone that has you know uh any knowledge so that was that was interesting and so i had those slides to build on uh, and so when um when we went to mexico uh i I, I I said yeah let's let's do this um, I'm I'm excited I'm always game like it, yeah. like to to go anywhere and talk sake because it's it's really fun for me to do so I love yeah. doing it and it doesn't matter what level um, I'll I'll have fun with people yeah. and um, but I had no idea so I'm I'm creating a course and um, and then we we got on the uh, we got on a webinar with the organizers in Mexico and they're like okay. So you got two days, and then we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a day of exams and whatever. I'm like, oh okay. I thought, I thought it was a two and a half hour session lecture. Yeah, this is a um, this is a full so, certification uh, program. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I got this, I got this. Um, and so um, you know, which meant okay, we have more time, which means I can take my time yeah. and tell the sake story without uh rushing through concepts that are going to lose people you know sure. which can happen when you're doing it in a compressed format yeah. and uh and so yeah we 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 taught it in los cabos um we it was a, a two-day course and at the end at the end of the course they had to uh there was a written exam uh kind of like a multiple choice exam because then the top two marks uh, or, or the, the the top marks were going to do a blind taste, uh, kind of a, a blind tasting uh, session. 
-hmm. And then they're going to be invited to Mexico City um, to vie for the top spot and a trip to Japan. Oh, wow. um, and then we we're going to do the same thing again in Mexico City. Uh, and so over this two days, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching. And again, I was able to, because it was in person, I was able to ask questions. Yeah. I was able to see, you know, again, I'm like, well, I, I was worried. There's a lot of things to be worried about. I'm like, is everyone comfortable with English? Because yeah. English isn't the first language there. Sure. You know, am I, am I going to get across or am I going to lose people? And uh, you know, we we hired at the last minute uh, translate uh, a translation service in Mexico City because we we're finding there was a number of people that that uh, could benefit. You know, yeah. there's no point in doing all this and half the room doesn't yeah. understand what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I remember, I think the hardest uh, aspect of the course developing the course was the exam. To write an exam for a market and in a a, a a community where I don't want everyone to have a hundred percent, so I can't make it too hard or too easy, but I can't make it so hard. And I remember sending it to JSS, and I felt like such an asshole because I'm like, this has got to be the. I, I feel I felt like it was a really hard test, but I'm like, well, but you know, if you want to send someone to Japan and they're going to be kind of like an ambassador in, in Mexico, for this, we've got to be, we've got to see who's, who really has a strong, more than the foundation. So, um, and you know what, surprisingly people did well on the test. I mean, I'll pat myself on the back because we talked about a lot of it in class and, um, um, and yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of great sake, um, a lot of, lots of laughs with everyone. Like we really tried to have, to make it fun, um, and not, you know, it was five hours of lecture on day one and then five hours of lecture on the next day. But we had the chef at, at each, um, uh, establishment create a bunch of dishes, um, that we can pair with sake and we can talk about what, why this would go well. And what was really exciting is at the same time I was, I was there teaching this, I was having some of the most amazing culinary experiences I've ever had. The sheer uh, breadth of different kinds of um, ingredients and, and flavors and there's umami and, and, but there's the way they make umami is, you know, is, is different. And uh, then in Japan, but I'm like, it was amazing because we we had more Japanese food in the 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 classes for the pairings, but I was like, "Who's got a Mexican pairing with this?" You know, because that's what I'm most excited about coming back for is just doing a deep dive of sake and Mexican food because I think the two will be phenomenal. I mean, what, the whole time I was there, I was doing mezcal plates because I was on, I was on a mezcal. Cake. I just want I was really trying to learn about this really cool uh, beverage. Uh, but um, anyway, yeah, so it was a pretty amazing uh, experience. Now, was this the first time you've done something like this? Obviously, I guess you had COVID the, the few years prior, but was this sort of the first time that you and JSS had worked together on developing and hosting a program like this? And are there plans to do it in the future? That's a really good question. I mean, uh, the, the great thing is the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Associate, Association and I, um, during the pandemic, we created a number of webinars. Um, you know, people couldn't leave their houses um, with social distancing and all that. And we brought sake to their living rooms. Like literally, we I, I would ship sommeliers uh, all over Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Quebec City 
sake bottles and then they would tune in and we would have this broadcast and we would, we would talk about the sake regions of Japan or whatever the topic was. And so we did a few of those during the uh, pandemic, which was, it's, it's very therapeutic because, you know, to, to, to leave, you know, whatever was going on in the pandemic and to travel virtually for a couple of hours. And for me to talk about something I loved was really, really uh, a, a good, a good thing. Um, and I think it's led to more work with JSS and, you know, finding uh, there's a trust there. They know that I, I love putting together artwork um, and I love telling a story about whatever the theme is. And I'm still learning as well about it. Like, so we're doing in the, you know, to give you an idea, we we're doing the, uh, the Umami web webinar and uh, JSS sent me all this data on umami and, and, and whatnot that I was like, oh my God, this is like a treasure trove of information for someone like me. And it's like, oh my God, this is so, and then I was like, stop, Michael, you got 40 minutes to talk about umami. And <laughs> this is like, this is like, you need to add another hour and a half to the, to, to the seminar. It was the kind of seminar too, where they're like, we will stop you at 40 minutes. I was actually the, the I don't get nervous when I'm presenting. And I was actually nervous because I'm like, okay, Michael. Okay. Okay. You got this. You're going to, you're going to stop, stop on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then of course we had technical difficulties with the slides. So I was like, ah, no. <laughs> and we, we still made it. We still made it, but it was sure. fun. Yeah. Sure. So cool. I don't know about the future. I mean, I think, uh, I'll always be there for JSS. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things when I was inducted as a sake samurai was, you know, part of the pledge is, promoting Japanese sake and culture. Um, and I, uh, I, I will never say no to them, um, you know, to, to, to do something. And especially if it helps to share, uh, you know, some aspect of sake and engage someone uh, and give them a bit more information, what this amazing beverage is like. Oh, that's great. Michael, I've taken up a, a big chunk of your evening here now. Um, but I'm curious what you, what you got lined up for 2020, 2023 now 2024 <laughs> now oh my goodness i know oh i was gonna goodness. say 2025 this is, so this uh, is this yeah. is this is wild i mean we sort of alluded to it a little bit earlier when you mentioned you know you have uh elliot faber um over in hong kong and sarah stewart over um in the uk helping out with the soccer scholar course but i'm just uh that along with the, anything else you got your um your your mind on for the year ahead yeah, so I'm teaching Saki Scholar five times. So that, yeah, with Sarah and, and Elliot, um, Elliot in Hong Kong and Singapore. And then I do, I, I'm doing the course here in Toronto for the first time since that first, first inaugural, inaugural session. course. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, it would be nice in to come the fall. Home. Oh, it's awesome. It, yeah. It's great. Um, you know, it, it's, it, I, I, I've been asked increasingly, hey, when are you doing another Toronto one? So I'm like, okay, maybe it's time now because, you know, I, I think I had at the time almost all the sake experts or, you know, people, you know, that w would want to spend the money to take a course like that, sure. uh, take the course back then. So um, and then, yeah, London and Brooklyn in the fall, which will be great. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that in Brooklyn. It's it'll be my third time there. So it'll be the 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 uh, the most in one spot uh, yeah. apart from online. And it's in the the uh, the new sake studies center, which yeah, I think has a really setup. nice. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah and and Brooklyn Kura have been great to me, and Timothy Sullivan as well, and uh, and also sake studies center SSC. Yeah. 
Ake Scholar course. Oh my goodness. SSC. It's like, Oh my goodness. It's, it was it's meant made, to be. The serendipitous. Yeah, it's meant to be. Yeah. Incredible. Um, yeah. And apart from that, I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be judging. I'm, I'm taking the Italian wine scholar course right now. I just, um, I, I, I balance, I try to balance the time in, in learning about other, other regions around the world and, and, and whatnot. Um, and then I'm developing a North American, uh, sake scholar course. So it won't be a 450 page textbook, but I just think there's a lot of magic going on in North America right now in terms of where sake is going like and with all the 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 these the the new sake breweries um that are that are crafting fantastic sake and i think i and it's again kind of like how sake scholar started it was really more for my own interest and i wanted to learn and grow um this this the beginnings of it the research is all about i want to learn more about what these breweries are doing i want to learn more about calrose and some of the other rice strains that are that are being cultivated here and how they differ and you know just go down you know i start sake scholar course every year with a, a analysis and wonderland slide because i went through probably a, a bajillion rabbit holes when i started sake scholar you know like oh my god let me go and look at salt production in the noto peninsula here and then you know there a day's gone you know just spending my time learning about something that has nothing to do with the course, um, I, I kind of want to have those moments again um, and be the student. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, and I'm sure there'll be all kinds of other fun sake related things uh, on yeah. the horizon as well. Yeah. yeah, lots of surprises. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it's years young. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, that's super exciting. That's really exciting to hear you do it. You're looking at uh, the landscape in uh in north america as well too that's i mean that's you're 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 early to the game i mean you know but it's i but i think it's a great time i think that's incredibly exciting and i think it'll i hope it'll facilitate more information gathering not just for yourself but for for the people you go up and, and are talking to as well um I, th I think it you know to have to, to have something from the outside is serving sort of an impetus for you know getting you know, getting proactive on some of those things, sometimes that, that, that can help. So I think that's, that's fantastic. I'm super excited. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be interesting too, because it's really, you're focusing on breweries, whereas Sake Scholar, the original is really about the regions because there's so many, so many breweries and maybe at some point the, you know, it'll probably shift. And really for me, it's just, it, it's just an excuse to, to visualize, um, you know, and learn more about these breweries and, and, and their stories and, who knows where it's going to go really uh it could just become this beautiful you know little document that you know is just something that you know the breweries can can share with um you know with their customers or something i don't know um but it'll be fun it'll give me an excuse to to get all my alumni together if they want to there uh, you go you know, to get together and have some sake so there you go that's that's reason enough right there yeah excellent yeah, totally. excellent michael Thank you so much for making time to uh, chat with me this evening. That was absolutely fantastic. And I am very excited to create an opportunity to do this again soon. Yeah, thanks, Justin. The pleasure was all mine. Oh, wonderful. Um, you uh, Is there anything, how about if people want to uh, follow you and figure out where and want to find out what you're doing and keep tabs on uh, what's next? Where can people look for more information? 
so I uh, I'm on Instagram uh, at MTR Sake, um, and or you can you can go into sakescholar.com uh, if you're looking for information on the course. But there's also a contact uh, form there, so you can you can reach out to me that way if you've got any questions sake related, or if you're looking to buy my book with Nancy or whatever it is. Um, you know, we're I'm I'm, all, I'm I'm there to answer any questions you have. Very good. Excellent. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again here soon. Yeah, thank you very much. And that will do it for one more episode of Sake On Air. If you have any questions for us, you can email us at questions at sakeonair.com or you can find us at, at Sake On Air on Instagram, uh, formerly known as Twitter and uh, Facebook. Uh, we love to hear from all of our listeners. Uh, feel free to share with us uh, your own educational experiences. Um, hopefully we can keep all learning together. Uh, that will be, that was this week's episode. We'll be back again with more Sake on Air in just a couple of weeks. Until then, come by. Sake on Air is made possible with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and broadcast whenever we can from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center located in the heart of Tokyo. It's brought to you by Posake Productions with editing work by Mr. Frank Walter.